Hello everyone, this is Jennifer Bryant and welcome to the Practical Family Podcast where we are building strong foundations and healthy homes. Well, hello Practical Family community. We are back with my pastor, Waxer Tipton. Aloha. (laughs) He has joined us this morning especially to talk about the Christmas traditions and this is the second episode that we have him on because he still needs to cover Santa Claus and (laughs) we didn't even get there in the last episode. So uh, can you give me a rundown real quick, Wax, of what we covered last episode and what you'll be going into now? Yeah, absolutely. As you and I have bemoaned that sadly by misinformation, a lot of Christians have been told uh, negative things of Christmas and our celebrations and that they're all pagan and they should be avoided. Uh, pluralism so on and so forth absolutely not true in fact I believe it is in fact the enemy who is trying to destroy the message of Christmas and the symbols that were being used to celebrate that and so we discussed the fact that the name itself is potent Christ mass is what it is and Christ means Messiah anointed but it, it comes from thou art the Christ so it's the celebration mass of the gathering of the coming of Messiah so that's what it means when we say Merry Christmas celebrate that your messiah has come what a powerful thing to say to people all day long and then we spoke about the date the 25th that yes in fact there were things that were being done at that time for evil but god decided to use it for good and to overshadow like all of our lives which once was being used for the enemy and now are being used for good and so it's about the testimony it's about the redemption god is a redeeming god so he even redeemed a holiday where people were stopping to celebrate the rising of the sun, the S-U-N, and we decided to celebrate the rising of the S-O-N. And it was effective throughout the years of celebration. Then, and of course, the tree, not a pagan symbol, but in fact, the tree, which represents the cross. And then the cross, the evergreen, because that cross gave us everlasting life. The lights were put on by Martin Luther and his team to represent the light of the world, the garland which represented the gold garden, his deity, the red, the blood that was shed for you and me, the star or the angel on the top, which announced the coming of the Messiah and the gifts at the bottom, because when Jesus' blood was shed on the cross for you and I, we were given the gift of salvation, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so these are some of the amazing things that when you walk into a dentist office and you see a Christmas tree on their counter, you can say, hey, did you know you have a cross? (laughs) and a symbol that represents. Now, where did we get it from? Well, as I mentioned, it came from Martin Luther, and so it wasn't until 1848 when Prince Albert of Germany came to England to Queen Victoria, and he himself gave her a Christmas tree and explained the symbolism, and that's when it was adopted into England and the rest of Europe, and then through there it came to America when folks migrated here to our country. Mm, wow, that, that is a great historical lesson, especially as, as, and if you're in the Classical Conversations homeschool community families, we will be studying this coming year, the immigration of people to the United States. So this being just another beautiful Christian tradition that has been brought over to our, our country now, um, what a great reminder of that piece of history as well, mm-hmm. as well as Martin Luther having mm-hmm. everything to do with the beginning of celebrating Christ and the yep. symbolism behind yep. it. Because as we know too, Martin Luther also translated the uh, Bible into the common language. Mm-hmm. So as we said in the last episode, illiteracy was such an issue. So mm-hmm. being thankful now that we get to teach our kids to mm-hmm. read, 
and to be educated about those things, especially about the things of God, that we uphold those things first. I think, you know, with Luther being, you know, his story, his testimony, that radical on the road, God, if you spare my life, I'll live. Um, the lawyer, everything within him, then God used that because he was a man who wanted to question why. And if we didn't have that kid, some of you have that child that says, but why, mom, but why? Yeah. Believe it or not, that's a Martin Luther. You have one, you're raising one. Because it was him who began to question the indulgences, began to question all the beginning things, as you know, ended up on a Wittenberg door. And so when it came to the time of the celebration of Christmas, but why are we doing what are we doing? And when there was not an answer, they created one. They brought things into the context that would heighten. Just like every parent is going to create customs in your family, whether you open one gift on Christmas Eve and so forth, you do so in order to enhance, to teach, to bring. And this is what the birth of this Protestant, this Protestant church was doing, was celebrating and creating a context as we saw in the Old Testament of Sukkot, Feast of Booths, and all the wonderful things that God would do. Amen. Amen. Well, that's great. Now let's move on to the symbol, the the man, the white-bearded, jolly, <laughs> fat guy or whatever. Whatever history has deluded him to be. Oh, poor Santa Claus. Santa Claus. I have seen Christians blow him up. I've seen them <laughs> X him out. I've seen them do so many things. And again, God bless you, and I appreciate your heart of wanting to have nothing usurp the glory of Jesus Christ and the Messiah. But again, ignorance begots ignorance. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, the question is, is, was there a Santa Claus? Well, yes, Virginia, there was a Santa Claus. But it is not the context of whom most of us understand. St. Nicholas was in fact, Jen, an incredible godly man with an incredible godly testimony. He ended up passing away in the fourth century as the Bishop of Myra. But let me tell you a little bit of the story about him. Nicholas himself was born in an area called Patara in Asia Minor. And in this area, the church was flourishing after the missionary journeys of Paul. And so this church began to grow. In fact, this area is present-day Turkey, which is even listed in the last churches of the um, seven churches in Revelation. But the thing was is that Nicholas came from a very, very wealthy home. His parents were very wealthy, but they both died in the plague. And so he found himself orphaned with a lot of money. And the groundskeeper would show him the buildings, the stable folks would show him his horses, the cook would make all these meals. But Nicholas was known for being a very unhappy child because of the passing. Now, one of the days when he was just strolling through the house, he found his father's library, not knowing that what he had there was in fact scrolls of scripture. His parents were Christians, but because he was so young, he didn't know that they were followers of the way. And he began to read these scrolls and he came upon the story of the rich man and Lazarus and saw while the rich man had everything, he was going to lose his soul. But Lazarus was the one in whom God embraced. And so he was so touched by that story that he was moved for the poor. And it caused him to remember that when he was about five years old, he would go to the marketplace with his mom and she would always be giving alms to the poor people. This was an immediate memory that he had of his mom. So he had one of his caretakers take him into the market square where the beggars were. And that day he began to distribute fruits and nuts and vegetables and all these things to the poor. And something lit inside him. 
seeing the faces of those who were receiving charity out of love, not out of a wrong pity, brought such a blessing to him that it is actually written that the house staff said it was the first time they had seen him smile since the passing of his parents. Mm. He had found, as the Bible said, the joy of giving. So much so, check this out, church. He could not wait for the next week to come down when people would gather in the bazaar. And so, you ready for this? He had his housekeeper build him a coat with large pockets so that he could give more away. Sound familiar, anyone? <laughs> Began looking at this symbol. And so his coats were filled with pockets so that he had more to carry, so that he could more to give away. Now, Nicholas himself, as he began to study the Word of God, then as he was a young man around 16 or 17, he came upon the story of the rich young ruler. And he truly believed that God was speaking to him about that story. And so this giver of his wealth gave it all away and went to Jerusalem to become a student. We would call him a monk today. He wanted nothing more than to know Christ in such intimacy. And so this guy that everybody talks about, oh, this, and, you know, he gave everything that he had in obedience to Christ. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And he began to be a student in Israel, in the Holy Land. And so he spent several years there as, 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 as a Bible scholar. Oh, incredible. Talk about the ultimate declutterer, right? I mean, getting, getting everything out of your life mm -hmm. in obedience to Christ. Uh, I mean, Santa Claus, who would have thought? And it's kind of ironic to even think of him in this way because usually you see him symbolically, you know, with all the stuff. And he's the, he's the giver of all the stuff. And he's, he's going to come and make your little heart happy because you asked Santa for this list. And exactly. you're not, you're nice, yeah. right? It's not that way at all. The... the, the, the the origin of Christmas was the joy of giving. Mm -hmm. He gave it away. And because he was a young man when this happened, and because he was a young man when his parents died, he had an affinity for young people. It's actually written and recorded that he would sit with the children. All the other scholars would be sitting there and debating with themselves. Nicholas himself would sit on the steps and tell children the stories of Jesus Christ. He had a passion for them. Now the time came for him after he finished his studies in quote seminaries we would call it today. He was heading on back home and as he was heading by he passed through a city called Myra. And as he came in he went into the house of worship on that Sunday only to find out that their pastor, the bishop of that area, had passed away. The congregation looked to him and said, our pastor has passed on and God has brought you. Do you not think that this was perhaps the hand of God for you to be our pastor? And there he paused and prayed, and that is where Nicholas stayed to the day he died and became the Bishop of Myra mm. and profoundly transformed the area in the community. He did not write anything, but he was known as a man who gave and gave and gave. Now, there's lots of stories, Jen, about these because people wrote them, not him, but people wrote of the things that he did. Some of them are where some of our customs come from. As you know, back in the day, a woman could not get married without a dowry. Well, there was a certain family, a carpenter who himself did not have the money. He had three daughters, and he didn't have any money in order for his daughters to be married. So he went one day in the morning. People would leave their shoes out, just like we do in Hawaii. And he went, and he dropped little bags of gold in each one of the shoes. And so when the girls came in the morning, then they now had a dowry so that they could be married. That's where you have your European custom of putting out your shoes, and yeah. the things come in. 
One of the times, the same thing, he went to give family um, some money that was desperately hurting and over her in the marketplace that they weren't able to, uh, to pay for their rent. So he took, literally, it's written down, he took a little change of gold, threw it in through the window, it went in through the window, and you're ready for this? Landed in the stockings that were set up in order to be drying because they had been washed. Oh, wow. <laughs> Gifts in the stockings. Incredible. But why is he called St. Nicholas, and what is the rest of the story? Well, of course, if you know Catholic uh, tradition, an, an individual needs to have you know miracles that are attested to them. And so here he is, Nicholas, the Bishop of Meyer, a loving, giving, sacrificing person. Uh, but um, there was an, Myra began to go through an extreme famine in the area, and the people were literally next to starving to death. And so Nicholas called a prayer gathering, and he began a, a prayer and fasting for uh, the people that food would come. And so he called for a prayer without ceasing. All of a sudden, within that week, unexpectedly, all of a sudden, these, these ships started coming in who were being blown off, of course, because of the storms at sea. They were to be nowhere near Myra. And all of a sudden, there's this little battalion of ships that are out in the front. The people wake up, and here they see these merchant ships. Nicholas gets in a boat goes out to the captain of this merchant ship, shares with them the story. The sailors themselves believe that it was the providence of God because how and why would they be blown into this area where these people needed the food? And so they unloaded all the food. And so the miracle was attested that he prayed and the food came. But this also explains why many people, if you are a sailor out there, that you would know that Nicholas, St. Nicholas is known as the patron saint of sailors. That's where it comes from. Wow. And so if you have, have anyone who is a, a, a sailor, it comes from that miracle attested to him and the patron saint of Myra. So he died in this, on, on December 6, 352 A.D., uh, known as the patron saint of Russia, the patron saint of children, the patron saint of sailors, and all of these things. But now the, the traditions that came on after this, everything obviously grows in grandeur. So in the Scandinavian area, you know, Sinterklaas, you know, so St. Nicholas, how it's pronounced, Sinterklaas. And so as it everything gets transliterated, that's how we get Santa Claus. It was the actual explanation of Sinterklaas, which was the, the, the expression of St. Nicholas. But the whole writing in the sky and all that stuff, yeah, that comes from Thor. You know, Thor would ride across the sky in and, 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 and his mighty and a mighty horse. And so when the Scandinavians became Christians, they began to say, no, that's not Thor. That's actually Nicholas who's coming oh. to watch over and care for us and provide for us. Just like many of us, when we have a loved one who's passed away, we know they're with God. But we say, but you know, hey, mom's watching over us. You know, mom was with us here today. And so in the same way, they would begin to do that. But of course, it got crystallized through Clement Moore in his great poem, which was the night before Christmas. Mm -hmm. And that is then when we've picked up all the American traditions, the reindeers and this and that and all that stuff. So all of that, no, that is just fabrication of a story in order to celebrate with children. But I believe that every Christmas, every family ought to celebrate Christ's mass, the tree, and a man who got it. Mm. who was Nicholas. He understood that God so loved the world that he gave. And so Nicholas also so loved the world that he gave because he got the model of Jesus. He said, you know, when the Lord said, imitate me, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so that is why I have in my house, my favorite decoration is a Santa Claus on his knees bowing before the manger. Mm. Because to me, 
St. Nicholas, as a pastor, shows me that my heart is to be others-minded. Philippians 2, have this attitude which was in Christ Jesus, who considered others as more important. He gave and gave, and he died penniless, but richer than most people on this planet will ever be. Amen. That is beautiful. Now, that Santa Claus is actually, his life was a testimony of the goodness of God. I'm so glad that, that we were able to unpack all of these things today. So many things rich with history. Parents, if you're listening to this podcast, you know that at Practical Family, we are all about helping you to build strong foundations and healthy homes. And one of the strongest foundations that you can give to your kids is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as is evidenced even in the story of St. Nicholas. Amen. It's just an incredible opportunity to let go of maybe some of the more commercialistic traditions that that you may have uh, in your family and and just start to maybe slowly replace it with the truth of God, whether you start with an Advent devotional like the Gospel Christmas that we talked about earlier this month, or just bringing on bringing your kids the a, a different version of the story of Santa. Mm-hmm. Um, use this podcast as a reference. Share it with your friends and neighbors because this this stuff is gold right here for Amen. starting to re-educate our kids Amen. to help them to understand how to pass on these traditions. Can, can I dive in on that? Yeah. One of the things for 28 years being a youth pastor that I realized is, is that kids understand people before they do principles that's why jesus told stories of people because then you can a certain man had two sons he could have talked about a principle of greed but instead he gave the story of peoples and so teaching your children biographies of men and women who have served the great god almighty there's a great little booklet called more than conquerors short little devotionals of Christian men and women who have just served their lives. And and as a young man, my mom shared with me these people who I said, I want to be like them who followed Christ through gates of splendor. All of these different individuals who in their difficult hour found strength in Christ. And I believe that Nicholas needs to be put in that list. I believe he should be seen not as the materialist, but as a man who got it who understood that the main thing is the main thing and that's seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all these other things. And to me, Nicholas is one of my heroes. Thank you, Wax. Thank you so much again for giving of your time. I know you're just about to take off on a trip, but that you made time for this. This It just blesses my heart so much. Thank you for leading our church. Glad and to be here. For doing what you do. So Thank God you, my darling. God bless you and this ministry. God bless all of you listening. What a joy to have Pastor Waxer Tipton from One Love Ministries here on the Practical Family Podcast. What great reminders he gave us about how to teach our children the Christmas traditions, their history, and how God infused his breath, his gospel message into the lives of these people who would then become our symbols, our modern day symbols today of love, of giving, of generosity, and of family. I pray that your family this Christmas is developing your own family traditions and special memories. Definitely use these podcast episodes and return to practicalfamily.org for reminders on how to live well, practically, efficiently, for Jesus and how to build strong foundations and healthy homes for your family. 
I've included links in the show notes for resources that Waxer mentioned, including Through the Gates of Splendor and More Than Conquerors. Also, click on the Bethlehem Star. Get that DVD to watch for your family to learn about the scientific proof for the Bethlehem star actually not being a star at all. So check that out soon. Also, I'm including resources from our favorite homeschool mamas, including Jennifer Moyes' book, A Gospel Christmas, and Laura Prater from The Awfield Homemaker, her curriculum called Christmas Around the World. So take your children through different countries and how they celebrate Christmas as well. Don't forget to go on to the Practical Family podcast through iTunes or Google Play and again at practicalfamily.org and rate us. Let us know how we're doing and what you're getting out of these messages. God bless you during this Christmas season. And up next on the Practical Family podcast, we have author Robin Jones-Gunt coming on to talk about her journey as an author for the past 30 years and how God has used her storytelling to reach into the lives of young people. Learn how through exciting and unexpected events that her Christmas novels, Finding Father Christmas and Engaging Father Christmas, were made into not only one, but two Hallmark classic movies. You will not want to miss this episode. So catch Robin Jones Gunn on the next Practical Family Podcast. Thank you again for listening. This has been the Practical Family Podcast with your host, Jennifer Bryant, where we are encouraging you to build strong foundations and healthy homes.